Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Sociable, a podcast that puts you in the conversation. Through this podcast, we aim to discuss social issues, norms, and observations, all in a social manner. I'm your host, David. And I'm your host, Edgar. Today we're going to talk about quite a quite an abstract topic. Is that right? Um, so it's basically about art, and for this we have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Patricia Dela Cruz, and I'm your typical art enjoyer. So I'd honestly love to go to museums, but since the pandemic does have its own restrictions when it comes to mobility, and I'm really afraid of getting COVID again, I honestly just spend my time using the virtual museum tours, and that just gives me a means to cope with like anxiety and all the stresses that I experience. So yeah, that's what art really means for me. And I just hope that I can impart my knowledge and some of my experience as well to all the listeners. Wait, getting COVID again? When 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 did you get it? Oh, because we had like a series of lockdowns here in the Philippines, actually. And oh. I got COVID on January. That sucks. Way to, oh. way to start off the year. All right. So for, for some... Um, Context, Edgar and I are not art people. We, we do not art and have not arted since like year three um, when we were forced to partake in arts and crafts. I actually used to enjoy arts and crafts a lot and did some like, um, not lessons, but like uh, projects outside of school. But that was a long time ago. So anyway. So our year eight teacher uh, ha- like played favorites with David and would give him A stars on all of his art projects. <laughs> I got A stars on every single assignment. Anyway, anyway. Okay, so let's kind of dive into it. Um, let's talk about the stigma surrounding art because that's our first bullet point. Um, I guess mm-hmm. some input from my side is like, you say you want to be an artist and then people are like, do you not like money? Um, I guess that's like the first very obvious stigma, but are there any others surrounding art or artists? I think I can also add on to that. Aside from people thinking that you're not necessarily going to profit from art, there's still a bit of optimism sometimes, but it just happens when you're six feet under. So essentially, you're only going to have a famous artwork, for instance, when you're already dead and centuries later, people know of your work. So that's like the sad thing that happens. And sometimes people think that, oh, maybe your artwork won't be relevant in the next few years or people will just forget those kinds of things. So that's actually something that's really unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. So, oh, so is that where people start to say like, oh, they were ahead of their time and stuff like that? Like they weren't appreciated while they were alive? Yeah, it kind of works like that. Like when you're already like in the art field and then you're just kind of just starting and getting your work known. Then when you're dead, that's the time people are going to start like getting these archives and then maybe your work might be there and it might also blow up. Exactly. Your work really only starts selling once you die. That's what gives it value. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, I guess um, from like a performing arts kind of side as well, that's kind of the same. Like people who go to music unis, the the rate of success is honestly quite low and you end up being like a orchestra member, teacher. But I think those are also um, roots of success. Um, Another thing we wanted to talk about was art and how it's defined. So I, I don't think Edgar and I really have much input. We're not really knowledgeable on this, but... Yeah, unfortunately. But, like, how would you define art? Or traditionally, what do people think about? Oh, because I think when it comes to art, 
there are several universal definitions for it. And I think it's also something that's really subjective. So people do have their own definitions and ideas regarding art. But overall, I think art is the way we apply our human creativity and imagination. It's how we express or apply these kinds of things. And typically art is done in a visual medium, such as paintings, there's sculptures, or sometimes people think that art is used to solely emphasize things like beauty or emotional power. So also stuff like being able to convey messages. But I guess another possible definition for art, whether it be universal, or maybe it's just me, is that art allows us to examine our like perceptual awareness and it allows us to broaden like the awareness of our surroundings. So visual arts is something that's pretty much multifaceted. And you know, since the days of the ancient Greeks, philosophers have been interested in the essence of art as something that projects what happens in the status quo. Mm. Given that definition, oh. I just wanted to ask, do you think, you know how like those AIs that produce music or produce paintings, do you think that's also um, a, like a means of art or not? I guess it can also be a means of art because I think aside from the intention of like the AI producing these kinds of pieces of art, I think it also comes down to the outcome. If it's something that will be pleasing to someone's eyes or if it can be criticized and whatnot. So I guess if there's something that has been handed out or produced, then I guess that can be considered as art. Then I was kind of, I wanted to lead on to just another question, but um, you know how like AIs, not not AI, but machines are taking over um, like blue collar jobs and whatnot. Do you think artists or like maybe even other creative jobs in general could be perhaps replaced by those machines one day? I think to an, an extent, no, and kind of a bit yes. Because I think there's still an intrinsic definition of art or creative jobs as a whole being a means of self-expression. And if you were like a machine, you technically have no self-expression because you don't have like brains and whatnot. Like you don't have the human experience that only humans have. So I guess that's what technically sets it apart. I see. So in terms of the human experience, what do you... the, this might be straying a bit, but... What do you think it is about art that uniquely allows it to capture the essence of the human experience? I guess it's how people are able to interpret their thoughts, ideas, emotions, and whatnot. And as I said, it's a means of like a, it's like a medium to be able to apply your creativity and imagination. So if you have certain experiences, experiences in life that you, of course, want to paint out or for example, compose a song about. But these kinds of things, you can do so because you're able to process them as a human being and you were fully there when you experienced these kinds of things. That's quite profound, I guess. I mean, uh, I don't think I really have the comprehension skills necessary to uh, really understand art. I think a lot of art is quite difficult to comprehend. Um, I guess moving on a bit, like, Given that there's so many different definitions of art, do you think there, do you think there's such a thing as truly beautiful or truly like, uh, ugly quote unquote art? I think it really depends on the individual looking at the piece of art, 
it's something that's really subjective. So even if we have standards like the principles, elements of art and how they're harmonious, I think it also really depends on the audience and the viewer. And at the same time, the artists who produce this kind of work. So they wouldn't produce a work, of course, that is substandard or something that they're unsatisfied with. So I guess this perception of ugliness or beauty is something that just really depends on the person looking at it and, of course, the person making it. Mm hmm. Well, I'm curious, David, I'm curious on your thoughts about this. Like, what do you think about the standards that we use to measure art or about like, quote unquote, beautiful or harmonious art? Um, I think like the the kind of public perception of what is beautiful art has shifted a lot because um, like back in the day, so like hundreds of years ago, um, there were like specific, like, I don't, I don't know the technicalities like I don't know, opposing colors on the color wheel? I don't know. But there were specific rules that had to be followed, like colors that had to be paired or styles that had to be followed. Whereas now people are very much pushing the boundaries of what is even considered art, right? Like similar to music as well. So it's inter it's interesting how they both strike parallels in that regard. Hmm. All right. Yeah, like I kind of disagree in that like i do agree that the boundaries of art are being pushed but i think as a whole like holistically art has always been far more subjective um far more subjective like as a median i think even in the past if there were more rigid rules i think that people were still constantly defying and constantly changing what art is i feel like that's why we have these transitions into different art periods um i mean I'm not an art expert, but it's like, I assume that there are subtle differences between like Rome, sorry, what is it? Like impressionism and post-impressionism and things like that. Maybe like correct me if I'm wrong, Patricia. But yeah, there are various art periods. So there are art periods that do depict stuff post-war. There are those that prefer more neon like colors or bright colors. And then there are those, of course, that just full on break these standards of art, which includes them like the elements and the principles being exceedingly harmonious. Isn't it something like Renaissance, Romantic, and then Contemporary? Something like that. Yep, something like that. But it's further divided into off. small ones. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Like the post and pre stuff, right? Probably. Yep. Okay, okay. Um, you mentioned before, I think, um, you want to talk about art as a ritual. Like, I personally have no idea what that means, so do you want to, like, explain a bit? I guess, like, art is something that's also considered ritualistic, because I do think that there are various theories on what, on what art essentially is. So people think it's either something that's ritualistic, it's something that's based on aesthetics, or it's something that's just merely a matter of taste. But when it comes to art being ritualistic, I think it doesn't also apply to like rituals and stuff like ceremonies or initiations. I think it also comes down to art being used in religions. So I think many Christian religious events are, you know, based on the lives of Jesus, his disciples, his followers, etc. And you typically have baptism, marriage, and burials for all those kinds of things. And we have many religious artworks that represent these kinds of events, which typically follow the textual descriptions of the gospels. At the same time, if you like 
see a Catholic church. I think majority of like the Catholic churches are really aesthetically pleasing or they're just so attractive because beauty is one facet of the Holy Trinity in miniature. So that's like a Catholicism thing. And as three threads in a row, beauty is intertwined with goodness and truth. And the rope is sturdy due to these three strands that are of course knotted together. And if you unravel one, the others unravel. So I guess a church more than any other structure must be attractive because a church is just more than just a place to hear teachings. It's a sermon after all. And it's good because anything is beautiful. And if it is both beautiful and good, then it also must be true. And as a result, the religion practiced in that beautiful church must also be good and truthful so that the little holy trinity mirrors the greater holy trinity, which is like the pinnacle and source of all truth, beauty, and goodness. But aside from like all the like Catholicism, I guess it's also applicable to African initiation rituals. So people use masks, dances, and songs, and these are just all utilized to recount traditional stories and to promote significant morals and values. That's actually really interesting. Like, I never thought about churches being considered, like, churches also being an expression of art in some way, uh, or of art being, I mean, maybe it comes from a lack of religious knowledge, but I never realized art was so, like, intrinsically tied to, I think, the Holy Trinity, was it? Yep. Uh, you mentioned something like the little trinity reflecting the greater trinity. Could you elaborate on that? Oh, so I guess the little trinity has to be like the beauty, the goodness, and the truth. And then the bigger trinity is like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like some parallelism. You know, um, like you talking about churches has got me like remembering, like, you know, that one church in um, Spain, like the something La Familia Church or something like La Sagrada. I don't know what it's called. But it's being built. It has been built for the last hundred and thirty-seven years, and it's still being built. That just came to my mind, and like you look at the church, and it's it's like it's crazy the fact that it's still being built. Watching YouTube videos also pays off. Anyway, <clears throat> I just want to say that. I mean, that level of architecture is actually insane. <laughs> yeah, not that we know anything about it. Just like we don't know anything about art. Well, I mean, you do, but. Not us, anyway. I feel like this makes it. I feel like this makes it a bit hard to maintain a sustained conversation because they <laughs> and I are just very like uneducated on this. Not gonna lie. Wait, if we're if we're gonna do that, can I loop back to one of the topics we were talking about earlier? Is that right? Okay, I'll take the. Okay. So remember when I was talking about AI and art? You know, like the. Are you familiar with like the Turing test? Oh, not quite. B basically, oh, it's like Alan um. Turing? Yeah, basically, it's um, a test that to to test whether um, like computers are capable of like thinking exactly like a human being, and it's pretty simple. So an interviewer asks questions to both a computer program and a person, and the Turing test is so-called passed by the computer when the interviewer can't tell the difference between the two. So I thought that would be pretty interesting to apply that to um, like AI-generated art in a way. Like if AI-generated art could reach a point to where it's indistinguishable from those like created by humans. I think it's more than enough to call it art or like recognize it as art. I think a lot of paintings are being sold as well by AIs. Like there was this one, I don't know if it was sold or not, but there was this like really famous painting like a while ago called The Something Sun. That, that was a result of an AI being fed 
like pornography and stick figures and then it generated like a nude painting so yeah weird things happen i think that's quite interesting because if i recall right patricia earlier you mentioned that you think it's quite difficult to consider the thing created by an ai as art because if it's used as a form of human expression uh, to capture the human essence and experience then it might be difficult to consider something that's been generated algorithm like algorithmic algorithmically as art so what are your thoughts on that that like ai has been creating art and has been selling it for an actual profit then i guess that just makes art as a matter of aesthetics or it looking good because if it's indistinguishable from a piece of artwork that was made by like a painter's hand then i guess art is something that really has something to do with aesthetics so if it appears to like be beautiful to a person or if someone finds it ugly if someone finds it elegant and whatnot then i guess it can still be considered as art so long as it can be like criticized and even if it challenges like the current standards of what art is i think one one thing like um that was kind of interesting with your definition was like you know how um a lot of the time art is inspired by like specific like um like happenings or like the the artist's like life story or whatever and like reading their history kind of gives you insight into the art i i guess that's like one thing that ai well like some ai i presume can't really do yet they can't really take into account like the social context or like the status quo into account so i guess that's one thing that sets apart human art from ai generated art for now at least but yeah but like going back to something you said about like aestheticism because at least as someone who's not really ingrained in art i think that there's a very cynical perspective towards the art world where a lot of people tend to think that oh modern art just considers anything to be art like quote unquote you can throw paint at a canvas and sell it for millions and millions of dollars so i was i was actually wondering because I I'm curious to see whether this is just cynicism or whether there is actually some sort of deeper meaning to it. When we see those paintings in museums that are like mostly blank or when we look at them and we can't really tell anything from them, do you think that there is some deeper meaning that we just aren't getting or do you think to a certain extent it to a certain extent it's just very like vague and generic? I guess that something that essentially challenges the like known definitions of art. So I guess that's where anti-art comes in and it's typically defined as the rejection of art. And one may argue that anti-art was merely another art trend, but it will be imposing logic and rationale on something that was meant to live outside of such concepts. However, some works have been appropriated as art and are actually housed in museums. So I think a lot of like weird objects can be considered as art. So if you go to like the Tate Museum, they hold Duchamp's fountain where he bought a urinal from a sanitary goods company and sent it in to his like publisher or the person like distributing the art and that just like really blew up. It wasn't necessarily a painting. It was literally a urinal. It wasn't on a canvas. So that just basically challenges the existing definitions of art. Wait. So, sorry, sorry. It was just a urinal? Yeah, it was just a urinal. Wait, how how much did it sell for? I'm not sure how much it sells for. It's just like placed in the museum and it's called Fountain or the Fountain. Huh. Damn. Uh, I think yeah, like Yeah, I think Yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. I I think it's um like both like uh I guess creative but also kind of um 
like nonsensical like wait let me explain so i like that it's very interesting how people are trying to really push the boundaries of what counts as art but at the same time um there are also people who splash paint on a canvas and then call it a day without really putting too much thought behind it so i, I think there's both um both in the world i i wanted to say something about music as well like i, I talked about this earlier but the parallelism between um like visual art and also like the performing arts is is really is really interesting because in music as well people have been trying to push the boundaries of what really counts as music like you see um uh you see composers doing like weird quote unquote modern techniques that sound like like on from the violin for example playing behind the bridge sounds like a bird screaming but also it's also considered music so yeah i think it's kind of hard to appreciate like i don't honestly or like i can't what the artist or composer is trying to go for in their music but i think there's also a world where um it's a very interesting phenomenon of people trying to push the boundaries of their field yeah so just in terms of like the parallel there are like ongoing trends between both music and art where in trying to push the boundaries people become more and more like minimalistic right or like for example from the music sense purely like there's more and more tracks that have very few layers of instrumentals like there's the trend of like anti-drops which is kind of like the opposite of beat drops um okay that, that's the that's all i know about the music side of it but like in terms of art so as i understand it patricia you consider that to be another form of art and i think a lot of people might consider it to be like laziness or whatever so i'm interested in what you think of their perspectives in terms of what david just said like some people that just throw paint at a canvas and call it art so i guess i kind of have to side with like the anti-art perspective because so long as it's art even if you feel like you're lazy but that's a depiction of how you're feeling at the current moment so no one technically has like kind of the right to like criticize you for being lazy and whatnot because it's a matter of your self-expression but they can criticize the work itself so i guess when it comes to like anti-art people just like get creative and freaky with whatever they want to do and i guess we aren't there to like just stop people from just trying to push the boundaries of what art can necessarily be mm. like i i think there's like also like very personal parallels between music and art and like composer versus um like painter or like artist um like i feel like stravinsky um and picasso were very like similar in like kind of the effect that they had on like their field like if you want like a kind of a explanation just go listen to um the rite of spring on youtube later after this but it's very uh like it's very unique like there's the rhythm just changes all the time there's like um, dissonance, like metric imbalances, whatever. And it kind of gives me like a Picasso vibe. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting, honestly. Can, can you explain yeah. to us plebeians what, what you mean <laughs> by a Picasso vibe? Like, okay, you'll understand if you listen to The Rite of Spring, but listen to that later. It, it gives you some context. But his music is very, I don't know, it's very new for his time. Just go listen to it. It's oh, hard also, to explain. Just a bit, just a bit unrelated. Like the yeah. other day, I was browsing Reddit, and then I found something that said like, like because when I when I pictured Picasso, I pictured him as like a really really old painter, like 
like like 19th century and then i i realized that he was actually really recent which is kind of shocking but it's just like yeah generally i tend to generalize art into the romantic period with all those different brush strokes so i guess i have a very rigid definition of what art is and what i picture art history to be so i find that quite useful so you're just saying you're like uneducated basically yeah i'm pretty uneducated (laughs) and i'm Um, proud to admit we're we're pretty dumb ourselves i mean like to add on to what you said i guess just a matter of being able to explore out of the basics like in music almost all chord progressions have at least been used so people really try to get out of these kinds of basic standards and then i guess when it also comes to like art and the use of colors for example for instance people might like try to dull certain colors or make them brighter because all colors have most likely been already like discovered Mm -hmm. like to a certain extent everything has been used so there people are still trying to find new ways to use them rather than to find new colors in the first place Hmm. Um, also, we were wondering what you think about art and its intersection with politics, because I think quite a lot of focus on art nowadays is about how it's used in terms of like government propaganda or how it's used by social movements uh, in terms of how it shapes our worldview and how it influences how we think about politics. So what are your thoughts on that? I guess like art can be used alongside politics in the context of social movements. So I think this kind of dates back to history. Here in the Philippines, we have the Spoliarium, and this got top honors at the Madrid Expo, and this just demonstrated Filipino equality. So the Spoliarium was actually a term given to the basement of the Roman Colosseum where fallen gladiators were dumped after fighting, which is shown in this life-sized artwork. It's like really huge. And the painting's representation of Roman brutality has been viewed as an analogy for the plight of the Philippines during Spanish control. Then I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but there was also the guerrilla girls. So they used posters to raise awareness regarding women's underrepresentation in the arts. And according to one critic, if I remember correctly, like they said that their posters were rude, like they named names and they printed statistics, and they just said that they overall embarrassed people. But I feel like if you think about it, less than 3% of the painters at the Metropolitan Museum are female, while 83% of the nudists are. Like you're most likely, it's like you're, mo- you're more likely to see like a nude of a woman as compared to seeing a painting that was made by a woman. So I think that's just overall unfair in some way and shows the like lack of like gender representation in the arts. Huh. Wait, th- that's actually a really interesting t- statistic. So like, you're more likely to see the woman as the object of the art rather than as the creator of the art? Is that what I'm understanding? Yep. I see. Um, As well as, like, art being used in social movements, I think something interesting that I found the other day was, like, how we tend to associate different colors now with lots of different movements in the world. Like, I think the most prominent example being, like, um, Black Lives Matter and how... like they've seen they've been seen as like reclaiming the color black in terms of its associations with the social movement nowadays um and i think that's quite powerful like what are your thoughts when social movements try to reclaim these certain colors or like associate with them wait you're gonna talk about blm black but you're not gonna talk about communist red edgar communism red 
It's like the most famous one. Anyway, continue. Oh, I was just thinking like recent prominence. Oh, oh sure. okay, okay. But I feel like when it comes to colors, people usually associate colors with certain traits and they trickle down to the very social movements, but use these kinds of posters in the various media, but they do end up using. So I don't really think it's a matter of reclaiming it. It's just a matter of associating it. And it's really up to the person if they want to directly associate these colors to certain social movements, because naturally colors are colors. They don't really like have like some deeper meaning and it's also something that's up to human interpretation oh i actually kind of thought the opposite as in like for a lot of movements like in addition with things like the feminist movement and the color like association with the color pink i often thought that it is a form of reclamation as in pink being associated with like femininity or quote-unquote like submissiveness and i think i've read this interesting paper the other day about how like our associations with the color pink have actually shifted now that the feminist movement has sort of reclaimed it in a way, as in um, as in sort of looking at the color and challenging your associations with it so that you no longer see it as just like the girly color as opposed to like blue for men, but you also see it as like a strong color. So I actually thought quite differently, but huh, that's interesting. So David, what are your thoughts? I, I feel like art and color association are what like make... Um... A, mo a social movement very like powerful i feel like uh, i don't know i keep talking about the communism thing but like the hammer and sickle like it's such a powerful symbol and every time you see it you think of the movement or like the ideology and then for like blm as well every time you see that logo you think blm and i think that kind of um um attributing that people do to these colors or these objects just show how powerful or persuasive or prominent like each of these movements really are. Fair, but I feel like you're talking more about logos, which are very explicitly associated with one thing, as opposed to colors, which are, I think, far more up to personal perception. True, true. But colors too. Then I guess I can move on to like art in the context of state propaganda. So I guess when it comes to monuments, the first thing that comes into mind is Coronation Park in New Delhi. I guess it's the like it's like a good illustration of what people tend to do with unwanted monuments. So there are like several statues constructed under the Raj and they've been gathered around from India and they're like torn down from public buildings and city centers. And it's on like the same ground where British King emperors and their viceroys had their durbars and forced these Indians of all classes to just bow down to British authority. And it's just, really lonely there not much people visit it anymore there's just like a bunch of birds and it's just it's just like a really like quiet place at this point not much people visit it and the removal of such sculptures was like a necessary like a necessary act like a necessary act of indian self-rule but the retention reflects india's you know dignified magnanimity in the face of centuries of colonial occupation so if such movements have a deep relationship to history, I guess it is because they try to influence it rather than like reflect what has happened before. And I guess public sculptures are political actions. So should a political landscape shift, I think the statue should also shift. Oh, yeah, that's I think that's quite a controversial topic, like in terms of people taking down statues. Um, what are your thoughts on like social movements taking down statues that they consider to be offensive or that they consider to like no longer re reflect the values of our time 
then I guess I don't really see the need to take down these statues. I think these statues can serve as memorials of what happened. So people don't repeat the same kinds of mistakes or people don't copy these past ideologies but were considered considered to be immoral or just imprudent as a whole. So I guess it's just it's just there to stay there and just for people to remember not something we should exceedingly take seriously i see but i feel like that's a little bit tense with the idea that like art serves like art has influence over us and to a certain extent the more ubiquitous a certain kind of art is around us the more we're likely to take it in so as in you might look at propaganda and obviously criticize it as propaganda but there are lots of subtler forms of art that affect our worldview every day. So I think to a certain extent, I think to a certain extent, it's quite difficult to say, like, just don't take the statue seriously. Because a lot of times, do you not think that statues glorify the actions of those depicted in them? I mean, at times it can glorify, but it really depends on the context and what the people essentially think. So I think certain social groups may prefer certain certain statues to actually stay, and some may not. So I guess it's just a matter of what currently happens and what the people currently perceive it to be. Then I think when it comes to art being as like a means of politics as well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind may also include propaganda posters. So if you remember like during the war in the United States, Uncle Sam has long been a symbol of American patriotism and his picture has actually been utilized by the U.S. government in a variety of ways, including stamps and military recruiting posters, as well as magazines and newspaper cartoons. So he's pretty much an icon. And I guess when it comes to art being as a means of like propaganda, I guess it also comes in different ways. So some people may opt to fear monger, like what the Nazis did before. It can also be like bandwagon, basically like the whole Uncle Sam thing to get people to like join the army and whatnot. All right, so given that we're kind of over time, as always, um, as always, uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, I think it was definitely a pretty interesting conversation. I've never actually talked to anyone for this long in this in depth about art. So it was definitely pretty eye opening to talk about um, a lot of the stuff we did. I think the anti art part was pretty interesting on my end. Um, And yeah, that's about it. So if you want to plug anything, now is the time. I guess like, I just really hope that like the current listeners can prioritize art education if they do have art education so they can actually learn how to 
criticize or depict these pieces of art because generally when people look at the piece of art they just go oh it's nice or oh this is kind of confusing but if we were like enabling students especially at a young age to be able to recognize like the different forms of art and what actually composes certain paintings but i guess that leads to greater art appreciation which could hopefully lessen the stigma of like art as a profession in society as a whole Are there lots of like opportunities to appreciate art or like art museums in the Philippines? I guess we do have like access to the internet, of course, so we can pretty much like go to these virtual tours. And I guess there are also like some museums here, but again, there's also a big stigma here. Yeah, true, especially in Asian countries. But it is true that compared to other professions, artists do have a much lower success rate. And even when they do, it's um, sometimes quite hard. But other than that, um, I guess we're, we're kind of done. So remember to follow the podcast or subscribe or do whatever on whichever platform you're on. Um, I can't believe I just said that, unironically. But also follow at social underscore official on Instagram and Patricia's, which we will link in the description below. Um, yeah, that's about it. And thank you for listening. Bye.